Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we're reading from Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. Then Peter told them exactly what had happened. I was in the town of Joppa, he said, and while I was praying, I went into a trance and saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles and birds, and I heard a voice say, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, I replied. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice from heaven spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This happened three times before the sheet and all it contained were pulled back up to heaven. Just then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied me, and soon we entered the home of the man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home, and he had told him, Send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. As I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, We can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Now, understand something that's happening here in this text. There's a lot of talk about Jewish believers and Gentiles. And at this time, there was a very distinct difference between Jews and non-Jews. It might sound actually kind of funny today, but the distinctive mark of a true Jewish person back then was circumcision. Now, circumcision kind of became the symbol of the covenant between God and his people in the Old Testament. And it happened in a culture where circumcision was not generally practiced. Like today in our culture, circumcision does not have a particular religious significance. It's very common uh, nowadays, but it's probably more uncommon to not do it today. But back then, it was pretty much just the Jews. And This is very clear here in the first couple of verses uh, when it says the Jewish believers criticized Peter for going to the home of Gentiles. Now, when Luke wrote this uh, book, the book of Acts, of course, he didn't write it in English. He wrote it in Greek. And if you look in Greek, the word that we have here as Jewish or Gentile actually isn't there. Uh, In fact, if you have a different translation of the Bible from the the New Living Translation that I'm using here today, you might see a different word. Literally, what he wrote was the circumcised and the uncircumcised to refer to Jewish and Gentile. The text that I'm reading just translates the idea of what he was going for, which is exactly what he meant. 
But he used the word, the circumcised and the uncircumcised to refer to the Jew and the Gentile. See, we've seen uh, in previous texts where Jesus has talked to Samaritans or where the gospel came to Samaritans. And that was a pretty big deal, if you remember. You remember the Samaritans were kind of half Jews. They were generally hated, but they were at least, they were still Jews, right? I mean, they were still circumcised. They at least had that to declare that they were Jewish people. But now we're dealing with Gentiles. And this is another story altogether. Because if the Jews were prejudiced against Samaritans, they were doubly prejudiced against the Gentiles. And let me tell you why that's important. Why are we talking so much about circumcision? Here's why. Because if a Gentile wanted to become Jewish, that was allowed. Remember that Cornelius was called a God-fearing Gentile, which meant that he worshipped God, but he still was not considered Jewish. So what was he missing? Well, you can guess, he was missing circumcision. If a Gentile wanted to become Jewish, they had to be circumcised and submit to the entire Jewish law. Now, you might also be thinking, why are we talking about becoming Jewish here? I mean, we're talking about Christians, right? Aren't we talking about becoming a Christian? See, to this point, this Jesus movement was located entirely within Judaism. Like they still considered themselves Jews, basically. They still met in the temple courts. If a Gentile like Cornelius wanted to become a Christian, then, well, it meant that he would first have to become Jewish. That's kind of how things were operating at that time. This was a Jewish-only kind of movement. If you wanted to be part of it, you had to submit to the law and circumcision as the mark of the covenant, basically. And let me just say on a personal note, yuck. I mean, can you imagine? Like, oh, you'd like to become a Christian? Well, that's great. All you have to do is be circumcised. Yeah, um, you know, never mind. Like, Maybe are there any other options? Could we, <laughs> I could just imagine telling somebody that for the first time. So to extend uh, baptism and repentance as Peter did to the uncircumcised followers of Jesus, man, this was a huge shift. It, it marks the beginning of, of the Jesus movement coming out from under its strictly Jewish origins. It opened up a whole world of issues that had to be ironed out, right? Some of which uh, Thompson talked about a couple days ago, right? Like if we don't have to be circumcised anymore, which was kind of the definitive mark, then how much of the rest of the law do we also not have to follow? These are big questions. And this is actually going to become a huge theme in Acts and throughout the rest of the New Testament. And it starts right here when the Holy Spirit leads Peter to extend baptism to people who are uncircumcised. So when the rest of the believers, the, the end of our text here, heard what had happened, they, uh, when they heard, they, they had some issues, right? They, they had some objections to it. But when Peter told them how the Holy Spirit had led him through this experience, they stopped objecting and actually praised God for this major change in how they did things. Because now God has given even Gentiles the privilege of repentance and eternal life. So, why does this matter today? I mean, 
If circumcision is a non-issue now, why are we even talking about it? Because in the early days of the church, it was about Jesus and circumcision. It was about Jesus and the law. It was Jesus and temple rituals and sacrifices. And this is an issue. We talk about this today because our tendency is still going to be to say Jesus and. When you read through the rest of the New Testament, this issue comes up again and again. And that's because it's an issue that we still come back to over and over again. Jesus and what? What is required to be part of this family? What must I do to be saved? And our answer, if we're honest, tends towards Jesus and. We see it in the way that Christian cultures come together. Today we might say, well, it's Jesus and the appropriate political stance, right? It's Jesus and voting the right way. You can't be a Christian and vote Democrat, right? Or you can't be a Christian and vote Republican, didn't you know? It's Jesus and a certain appearance. It's Jesus and dressing the right way because when you become a Christian, it's all khaki pants and polo shirts from now on. Or it's Jesus and a particular uh, worship movement or worship style because you can't worship God with all that rock and roll music, you know. You know that the music guy's got to put that one in there, right? We adopt all kinds of extra expectations on what it means to follow Jesus. And if we aren't careful, we put those on people as a great big and. Jesus and. Now, to be sure, I mean, we are going to encourage each other in how we live and how we can follow God and be more like Jesus. And far be it from us to ever put extra obstacles between people and Jesus. Because if we're not careful, we buy into the idea that if you want to be part of us, you need to look like us, you need to sound like us, and you need to act like us in order to fit in. But that's not the gospel, is it? We want to call people to look like, to sound like, and to act like Jesus not simply a Christian culture of our own making. So what is it for you? What do you think you need Jesus and? Because I'll tell you how I think this usually plays out. I think a lot of us believe that we need Jesus and a lot of good works in order to be part of his family. I've heard it so many times. I, I Honestly, I felt it myself, that, that feeling like I can't go to church after the things I've done this week, right? I can't pray to God because I was just doing something so far from God that I don't think he would even listen. I'll try to get my life together a little bit. I'll try to clean myself up first and then I'll go to God. I'll get sober first. I'll clean up my language first. I'll give a little money to charity. I'll, I'll try to be a good person and then maybe I'll have a chance at being accepted by God. But friends, that is the gospel of Jesus and that is not the gospel of Jesus. The Holy Spirit led Peter to extend repentance and baptism to Cornelius, his household, and to an uncircumcised Gentile, and Peter was amazed. I bet it caught the Gentiles by surprise too. The gospel of Jesus just says, come. Now, the believers, who, the ones who were objecting, to their credit, when they heard Peter's explanation, they rejoiced. They didn't keep putting those barriers in front of people. And in the process, they learned that it was not this religious ritual that had made them acceptable to God either. God didn't love them because they were circumcised. 
God doesn't love you more if you go to church every Sunday. God doesn't even love you more if you tithe. What? Seriously? It's true. The gospel of Jesus just says, come. Now, when the early Christians came to Jesus, they did start gathering together and they did start giving their resources to the poor and to help each other. But understand that none of those things were required for them to have what we all have. The opportunity to come to Jesus. There is no and between you and Jesus. So what is your and? What is that obstacle? What do you need to let go of in order to focus on Jesus today? Let's pray. God, I pray that you call (laughs) us to come that you show us how great your love is and how small our little offerings and works are in comparison. God, I pray that you give us the confidence in who you are and that we can be confident that you love us, not because of ourselves, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what you've done. God, let that be our hope and let that be our confidence today. In your name, amen. Have a great day.